and I've like w- walked into the changing room and obviously there were some pretty big players there at the time like and lads just looking at me and I'm like what am I doing here like this is just bonkers like you got lads like Sergio Parisi just like, looking at me being like are you, are you lost like, like yeah. what are you doing Hello and welcome to the Offfield Rugby Pod. I'm your host, Brian Moylette. I'm a former Irish age grade international player, now playing in Vancouver and coaching collegiate rugby. Each week, I chat with somebody involved at the top end of the game to hear about their journey, get their insights, and learn about how they do what they do. On Instagram, I'm the Offfield Rugby Coach. That's at Offfield Rugby. Please follow me there. I share content around mental skills and performance and also clips from the pod. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening if you haven't already. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and a review. And in the review, let me know what you like about the podcast. Would love to hear your thoughts. Lastly, please share the pod with some friends. Those different things help people find the pod and are really, really appreciated. Today I'm chatting with Peter Lydon who got a crazy break into pro rugby when he joined Stade Francais from the third division of Irish club rugby. He chats about the bizarre turn of events that saw him going from playing with Seapoint or FC one week to doing a trial with Diego Dominguez in the Stade de France, sharing a dressing room with Sergio Prise, Mornay Stain and then getting offered a contract. He talks about how Conor O'Shea, the then Harlequins coach, approached him after a game when he was still under contract and talked to him about moving to England. We chat in the pod about what it's like playing in the championship, the contracts and the level of professionalism there. Peter has played with both London Scottish and Ealing Trailfinders in that league. Peter also talks about times as a teenager before he came a pro that he was getting some flack from friends and different people around him and realised that he had to block out everything and focus internally. Peter talks about relationships he's had with coaches, not seeing eye to eye at times and also asking to be released early from a contract at a club. We also chat about what he gets up to day to day, his plans for when he retires, what he is studying now and lots more. So a quick mention from our sponsor and then it's episode number 26 with Peter Lydon. A lot of people stress about money. Where should you be investing? Are you prepared if there's a crash? And loads more. And if you're not an expert, finances can be really daunting. I know the people at Sparks Wealth and they're brilliant. What they do is they educate you on your finances without any jargon. They create a personalized plan for you and manage your money so that it's working for you and so that you don't need to be worrying about it. You can book a free, no obligation Zoom call now on their website, sparkswealth.ie. How is life in France, second season with uh, Rouen Normandy? It's the one, yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, yeah, sort of country's a bit more opened up now because when I first came over, it was like full lockdown. Sorry, actually, it wasn't full lockdown, but uh, we pretty much went into lockdown about a month after I got here. So um, when I came back for the second season and stuff was a bit more open because it was summertime. It was like coming back to a new place. So, um, so yeah, definitely second season is a lot better than last year because last, <laughs> last year was tough. Yeah. Was that a bit weird? Like when you were signing and trying to like move, like you moved from England to France kind of amidst all that carry on. Yeah, well, the thing was, it was actually, it was my decision because I was actually contracted with Ealing for another year. Um, so when coronavirus hit, uh, I stick, stuck around in London for a little bit and then I actually moved back to Ireland because I just wanted to be back out in the countryside and stuff. And like, there was no real time time frame when we'd be back in. Like we got told we might restart and like to start in May. So I was like, look, I'll just head back home, see the parents, chill out, like I can train and stuff and I'm away from sort of a big city. So, mm. um, and then it was while I was at home, I actually got a phone call from Richard Hill, who was the coach last year. Um, and he basically was interested and wanted to see like where he knew I was contracted for next year, but just wanted to see whether there was any interest like down the line. Um, 
And then I was kind of like, look, like if I could get out of my contract here because I wasn't enjoying it that much in uh, in Ealing, I was kind of like, look, if I could get out now, would there be something on the table for like this coming season? Um, and he was like, yeah. So then we kind of just took it from there. So, um, but yeah, it was it was quite cha- it made moving challenging because like you're having to deal with all the all the COVID stuff. Um, and then obviously like trying to get visitors to come over, like it's nice to have people come visit you when you've just moved somewhere new. And obviously that was, that wasn't, that wasn't possible. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, it was tough, but uh, it was all right. It sort of took it, took it in my stride and it was all right. Yeah. And how did he get in touch? Like, how did that come about? Um, so funnily enough, it was actually the backs coach was a guy called PJ Gidlow, who I played with at London Scottish. My first year at Scottish, he was the 12. Um, and then he would so I played for one year my first year Scottish with him and then he actually signed for Ruan after that season back when they were in like they might have been in Federal 2 at the time okay um, and so yeah he had obviously kept tabs on me I think he 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 was quite good friends with a guy called Mark Bright um, who's a number 8 at Scottish like he's at Richmond now Championship Legends or Stalwart uh, so I think the two of them kind of kept in contact quite a bit and I think he said he said to PJ about uh, potentially bringing me over. So, so yeah, that was kind of the connection there. So, yeah. Nice one. And do you speak French? Yeah, pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Like obviously I was there before when I was in Paris, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I did it. I did it at school and I quite enjoyed it. So yeah, I'd say I'm at a pretty, pretty good level now. So it makes yeah. it a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. I did it in school as well, but I'm absolutely not at any level. So yeah. 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 Um, and so then you mentioned before when you're you're in Stad for a year, wasn't it? In the academy yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. How was that? Yeah, it was it was a hell of an experience. Uh again, that came about quite quite funny. Like I was obviously I was at Lansdowne with you, you yeah. know, under twenties and didn't have a great year there. And then was kind of obviously I'd always wanted to be a fresh rugby player, but kind of at the end of that year I was kind of at a bit of a kind of I hadn't had a good year at twenties and kind of didn't really know where I was going um, and then got in contact with um, Nigel Osborne who was the coach at Seapoint at the time because um, I'd done I used to do the French and rugby camp that he did down in France like each summer so I knew him pretty well um, and kind of had a had a long conversation with him about kind of what I wanted to do like sort of rugby wise um, and he basically said to me look uh if you if you come and play for Seapoint, like they were playing in two A at the time, mm. um, he was like, if you come and play for us, uh, like it'll be playing adult rugby, like it'll be you'll be playing week in week out, um, it'll do your development a lot of good playing adult rugby rather than doing another year twenties, um, sort of said that he had some contacts in France that he could potentially like speak to and try and get me sort of a look in somewhere, um. So then basically out of nowhere in like March time, I think it was, I was sitting in UCD, like just <laughs> just doing what students do. And I get a phone call from Nigel saying, can you be in Paris uh, for tomorrow morning? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? And he was like, uh, yeah, um, I've got you a trial at Stade Francais. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so basically rung my parents and were like, uh, can, can I go to Paris tomorrow? Uh, so literally hopped on a flight, uh, I think it was that evening actually, um, flew over, stayed with a South African guy um, who was in the academy at the time. And then the following day, basically met up with uh, Paul Warwick and Stan Wright, who were there at the oh, yeah. time, and got a lift. This this is where it just gets absolutely bonkers. Like, Got a lift to the Stade de France because they were playing against, I think it was Clermont at the weekend, and that was like their big game, and they were playing at the Stade de France. So, travel with those two lads to the stadium. I'm in like random like Leinster kit that I was like, I'll just wear Leinster kit to look yeah. somewhat cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've rocked up to this stadium and like coming in and like there's bloody like journalists everywhere. They're like looking at me being like, who the hell is this kid? Like wearing Leinster kit. Uh, so like rock into the change rooms. I like that. That's the first time I met anyone. I haven't met any coaches or anything. Wow. And I've like w- walked into the change room and obviously there were some pretty big players there at the time. Like and lads are just looking at me and I'm like, what am I doing here? Like this is just bonkers like you got lads like Sergio Parisi just looking at me being like 
are you, are you lost? Like, what, like, yeah. what are you doing? Um, and again, like, I didn't really know what I was doing. Like, because Nigel had kind of been like, oh, yeah, you're going to do a trial. But like, he hadn't told me anything more. So I was going in completely blind. I was like, what am I doing here? Um, so then coach came over and was like, right, you're going to go into the, like, you'll be in the dead ball area just doing some stuff with our skills coach, who, who was Diego Dominguez at the time. Oh, wow. So, again, that, that's another one where I was like, Jesus Christ, like, I'm going to be working with this guy. Like, fuck. Um, so, yeah, so then, yeah, went out on the pitch. They were all doing their team run, and I've just gone down the end and just done some skills stuff um, with Diego. Uh, and then at the end, at the end, he was like, right, just watch the rest of the team run and then just join in with the kickers at the end and just follow them around. So basically waited for that, then yeah, just joined in with them, took a few kicks, just coaches were kind of watching me. Um, and then they basically thanked me for coming and I was straight on a flight out of there. Wow. Yeah, with no other like they didn't really say anything more. They were just like, Yeah, cheers for coming. Thanks. We're we're happy with you, whatever, but like see you later. So and they'd said they'd be in touch or whatever, but uh, so then I flew back and then probably a couple of weeks went by and I was like, oh, look, it was a cool experience, but that, that was it. And then again, another phone call out of the blue uh, from Nigel being like, yeah, can you be in Paris again? Like literally like tonight. I was like, what? yeah. Man. <laughs> so went back over again. And this time it was like a kind of more SNC focused um, thing. So I did like strength tests, speed tests, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then and then it kind of just went from there and then yeah they were basically like yeah look we can we can offer you something so and then just sort of talked it through um and then yeah went for it from there so and then yeah that's 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 that was kind of the crux of it uh so yeah it was pretty it was a pretty mad way of of getting in but like that was sort of the opportunity that i just needed um and then yeah it all just sort of went from there that's mad. So then the, the first time you're over, it was a team run like the night before a game. Wasn't yeah, it was, it? Yeah. It was literally the, fr the Friday. I think they were playing on the Saturday. So yeah, it was the Friday morning uh, team run. And I've just rocked in there being like, hey, lads, you are right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, they, and, they, and they just did like half hour skills or whatever, a few kicks, and then you're going yeah. back. Yeah, literally. Like they, they, like they were lovely about it. They were like, yeah, we're happy, like cool. But then like there was no like kind of, oh, we'll we'll have a thing mm. we'll tell you tomorrow or we'll come back to you next week it was just like cheers for coming thanks see you later so like i literally got in the car with uh with the boys and they dropped me to the train station that was near the ground and just went straight back to the airport and was out of there so like it was it was very much like get in get out like so. yeah and had you sent them over a tape before that or no 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 nothing at all no, it was literally off uh, off Nigel's word because he knew Richard Poole Jones was the director of rugby at the time. Yeah. Um. So Nigel knew him quite well. Uh. So I think he basically said to him, "Look, have a look at this guy." Um. But yeah, there was no there was no footage, no nothing. So that's it was, it was completely blind. That's madness. Like you think about like even looking at someone's like clips, it's like yeah. you you wouldn't be sure because you know you can put together like good clips and you can have a yeah, bad yeah. game and still find some good ones. But they just literally like, oh look at this Irish kid and yeah, did a few kicks and it's like yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take a punt on him. I know, I know, it's mad. Yeah. Thinking back to it, think, at the time I didn't really think it was that crazy, but now like, like it's insane. Looking back, I'm like that was absolutely mental. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were meant to be playing for C point and then to start. Well, that's the thing, and then and the thing with that was I, because I flew back. I think it was, yeah, I flew back on the Friday, and then I I played for Seapoint then on the Saturday, and like I've rocked up, and boys were like, oh, you've just been kicking in the Stade de France, like <laughs> it's that Francais, now you're I would kill Bogger Park, kicking kicking yeah. in two way, like it was mental, absolutely. Mad. And so then yeah. then you did you sign a one year academy? Was that what they? Yeah, did? that was it. Yeah, yeah, one year. Yeah, so. Um, but actually, I actually managed to get quite a lot of opportunities because yeah. uh, the year it was the year they signed Mornay Stain. Um, but when they signed him, they didn't realise obviously he had like the rugby championship or whatever it was called. I think it was still the Tri Nations back then. Um, and then he had he stayed on in South Africa uh, for till the November internationals. So like he didn't come in the gap between the rugby championship and the and the November mm -hmm. internationals. Like, I'm not sure whether he was injured or whatever, but um so i was basically essentially i was playing 10 at the time i was essentially second choice 10 for like probably till end of november probably um 
so that was class like even just like training training at that level like being like the 10 on the other 15 was like an unbelievable experience for me like so um and then like managed to get like managed to get a debut in top 14 and played a good few european games as well so that was that was deadly like it was i couldn't believe couldn't believe it like because if you like what is happening here like everything just happened so quickly so um yeah and then yeah it all just sort of went from there and then even when he came back like i was still kind of being kept involved like in and around the first team um like quite a lot like 24th man which like means a lot to you at that age oh yeah it's like you, you start to grow out of it as you get older you're like i don't want to be 24th man but when you're that age you're like just soaking everything up so yeah it's class so um so yeah no it was class like couldn't have got any more opportunities really so yeah it was good yeah and did you feel like way out of your depth because like adult rugby like the step up so from school like even the school to 20s like we we're playing lands on 20s it's not like a cakewalk you know what i mean yeah yeah and then going from lands on 20s to C point, like that must have been a little bit of a step up because you're get you're tackling men and even yeah. though it's a lower level, yeah. But then then you're going to play with stat. Hmm. Yeah, like like when I when I first went over there, like start preseason, I was like, there was probably I'd say it was probably a couple of weeks where I was literally just like, what, like, what am I doing here? Like, just like looking around. It was more just like looking around at the other players and being like, I watch you on TV. Like, I know all about you. Like, this is yeah. crazy. Like, how am I in the same changing room as you? But then I think like when you're in that environment, it kind of like you kind of have to just get up to speed. So it kind of brings out the best in you, I think, because if you don't, then you just fall by the wayside. So, um, I think quite quickly I kind of just got over the fact of being like, wow, like I'm playing with this guy or I'm playing with this guy. And it was just like, you kind of had to just tell yourself, look, I'm here for a reason. Like they obviously yeah. think I'm I'm good enough to be here um, and just like do my own thing and just get on with it. So, so yeah, there was, there was a lot of like sort of that feeling of being quite starstruck at the start. But then I think after a while you just realized that these guys are human and, like they're good lads and yeah and a lot of them were were very good with me like kind of took me under their wing and like looked after me well so um so yeah no it was it was it was grand after probably the first couple of weeks of being like wow like rabbit and headlights kind of stuff so yeah yeah and you mentioned earlier that like you wanted to be a professional rugby player like so many people but was there a yeah. moment when you were like a teenager that you decided that you were going to go for that like and not have other options or like you're gonna because you probably left ucd did you like left yeah, your yeah. studies like you, yeah, you yeah. left that and you just mm. that was that was there a moment when you decided um i think like i played quite a lot of soccer when i was younger um and i was involved in that like kind of development squads and like kind of getting like irish trials and stuff like that so that was i'd say football was the number one growing up till i was about probably 15 or 16 and then I was in like a Southeast development kind of uh, squad um, and we used to train like two or three times a week um, down in Wexford. And I remember, I think I, I think I had just turned 16 because it was, yeah, it would have been because I was in fourth year of school and was, I just started playing like SCT rugby. Um, and obviously that's where like you start doing like proper gym and needing to get like bigger, like pretty mm -hmm. quickly. Um, and obviously that was kind of having a bit of an impact on my football because obviously you need to be more light and sort of agile and stuff like that. So uh, I remember I had a meeting, like a kind of performance review meeting with the with the soccer coaches and they were like, look, it's kind of getting to the stage where you need to decide between rugby and soccer. And they basically said, look, from what we see of you, like you're not going to make it in soccer because obviously it's very, very, very hard to make as a yeah. pro soccer player. So they were like, look, uh, we think you should go down the rugby route. So, um, so yeah, that was, once I heard that, I was kind of like, right. Yeah. I think rugby is probably the way forward. And also I think I kind of football, I used to get quite stressed playing soccer, whereas rugby, I didn't really have that kind of feeling of like, nervousness kind of when I would play like I sometimes when I'd be going out to play a soccer match I'd be like oh like it was all very negative thinking whereas like rugby I'd always be kind of like just loving just enjoying myself so um I think that was probably the moment so yeah probably when I was sort of 16 or so um and then I think it helped as well like uh obviously being in Kilkenny College and playing uh senior cup rugby when I was in fourth year I think that kind of gave me a big kind of shot of confidence being like you can play 
two years underage for the cup team and like you can hold your own so um so I think that it was probably from then um and then yeah like from then on I kind of was just like right I need to put in put in the work to do mm. it um and then like you say like with when I was in UCD um obviously I dropped out with a year to go like I only had one more year to finish um but my way of thinking of it was that like that kind of opportunity like you can't really pass it up um so because even just like even just the thought of like living in Paris for a year like what that would like do for you like just to grow up and stuff like that so um so yeah it wasn't really it wasn't really a big a big decision I was as soon as it came up I was just like definitely going for it and like my parents were fully supportive of it as well because they knew like how much it meant to me so they were like look if this is the decision you want to do do it so um and luckily it's it's worked out all right yeah for sure and what do you, why do you think that with the soccer and rugby like you're so different going into games um it's a good question uh i'm not sure to be honest i think i don't know i just felt oh, i just always felt more comfortable on a rugby pitch yeah. um than a soccer pitch uh I, I literally i couldn't i couldn't tell you why it was just yeah. i just knew there would there'd be times in like playing soccer where i'd like i wouldn't want the ball or i'd be shying away from stuff or hiding Whereas rugby, I never really felt like that. I'd always want to have touches on the ball and always want to be sort of involved in the thick of it. Like, um, so yeah, in terms, of, yeah, I don't really know why why I felt like that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you mentioned that, like, with the lands on twenties, that like you didn't have a great, or you said you didn't have a great year, but we're like, geez, when I was playing, I would have thought like you had a brilliant year, you yeah. know, like because like you were class, but. Was it, what was that? Was that that like you didn't feel you were kicking on or like you didn't, weren't getting looks with the first team or like, why, why do you think that? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think part of me feels like, I think coming out of school and like I, from, like I said to you earlier, like having that confidence of playing, of be, playing senior cup rugby in fourth year. So obviously that gives you that big shot of confidence when you're a young lad, mm. like you sort of feel like you're the boy, like, yeah. Um, and then obviously you, you leave school, obviously did stuff at Leinster, like underage, whatever. Then obviously you go into like going to university, looking after yourself, that kind of stuff. And then with Lansdowne twenties, I just kind of, I don't know, I th maybe I slightly got ahead of myself and thought, Oh, I'm the boy. Like I've, done this in school, like played a few games, Leinster 20s, Leinster 18s, whatever it is. And yeah, maybe just kind of got a bit ahead of myself. I don't think it was, it never affected my training that I would do myself. So like I would always get up and go to the gym in UCD early, like, and then do my extra sessions. So I never actually affected that, but I think potentially just like how I was going about myself like in games and a training when I was actually with the team I think I maybe thought that I should be further than I was so yeah maybe like getting games to the first or like being in, in involved <coughs> in the first um and I think maybe I just like psychologically just kind of thought that I was a bit further on than I was um and yeah, like from my point of view, I thought I had an absolutely horrendous year. Like just, I just did Jeez. not think I did not think I played well at all. Um, and I think it was then at the end of that year, it was kind of the realization that it was like, you need to know where you, like, you haven't made it. Like you're not, you're a nobody. Like you need to just, like every opportunity you get to play on a wing pitch, no matter what level it is, you need to stand out and be good to get noticed. So then, and that was something that Nigel said to me as well, was that like, yes, it might be perceived as being like, oh, you've gone from Lansdowne under 20s to Division 2A club. Like, that's that's weird. Like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Um, but his point to me was that if you play very well and stand out in that league, that people will take notice. Um, so I think it was just that changing, that changing of mindset that every time you go onto a pitch to play your absolute best because you never know who's watching you never know what might happen um whereas I think that year playing 20s at Lansdowne I was potentially thinking oh like I should be here or I should be there or should have got picked for Ireland 20s or I should have like I was just thinking of all this stuff that like could have been feeling kind of hard done by um yeah. 
so yeah, I think it was definitely like that summer after 20s, just having a reset and being like, no, like you need to change the way you're thinking and really like knuckle down whenever you're whenever you're playing a game. It's that's this is the this is the be all and end all. And same with training as well, like give it your all in training. So yeah. Um yeah. It's uh it's yeah, some good ones there. Like the point you made about every time you play is an opportunity and you never know who's watching and it's so true because like you can often when you're younger i think as well go through the motions a little yeah. bit yeah and you know you're enjoying it and but like kind of a little bit going through the motions but yeah you never know who's watching and it's interesting as well like for people listening so lansdowne would have i don't know at that point would have been one of the best clubs in the country like probably yeah they were yeah, they, they were, they were. Yeah. Oh, they would have won the il like the next year yeah. and yeah. us two around the 20s like you played lens 20s i played connacht and there was a lot like our lands and under 20s team was unreal like wasn't it like so many good yeah. players so yeah. it's a real interesting one in that i was the exact same but then there's like guys like Jordy murphy ahead of you in the first team and mm. you had craiger like craig ronaldson yeah yeah, it's like, like unbelievable, so unbelievable good. players. Yeah. yeah, it's like unbelievable players. So, like, who am I to be like? Oh, yeah, I should be playing in front of him. Like, it's just, yeah, it's well, you do, yeah. you do think that. I do was you think? Exact oh, same. yeah, you do. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that's a good thing as well because I was the exact same. I was like, I'm Bouch as well. Like different guys. Like, I was like, fuck, yeah. I, I should be in there. Like, Jesus, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And then whatever. Yeah. But it's it's um it's interesting that that Nigel, that guy, like told you to make that move, and um it worked out because I would have been the same. I would have been like, I was like, I remember hearing you're going. I was like, what is he? like is he mad a lot of people were a lot of people were and that was the thing like I needed to that was part of my from my own like psychological thing was dealing with lads being like what the hell are you doing why are you signing for Seapoint because like you you know my friend Padjo he would have been like he was like lad what what are you thinking like why are you going to Seapoint and it just I had to deal with so much of that to then be like right look I don't, I, it doesn't matter what other people think. This is, this is me. This is what I'm doing. As long as yeah. I look after it, and it kind of changed from looking at, looking at outside to then looking within and being like, no, like if I look after my, my own shit, yeah. then whatever happens, happens. But you just got to focus on yourself and do you. And then like, like we say, like you never know who's watching, who's going to take notice. Yeah. hundred percent. And another thing is that it doesn't matter so much what level you're playing at like like you said like you'll stand out like i've seen it like in america canada like these just different places where people go from even with lanza i remember um clive ross before he signed with lanza was with delisal parmistown which were like yeah. barely ail like junior club i mm. think even and then went lanza and then went also like it doesn't you know it doesn't yeah. people get caught up i think on what level they're at all the time whereas yeah. as you say it's just play well play well and it'll yeah. work out you know if you're good if you're good enough you'll end up where you should be if you 100%. stick with it long enough that's that's the way it is that's the way i see it anyway yeah 100 percent. and then um, so then at stad you spent a year there and then headed to the championship in england why like like you said i don't know did you play seven eight games i remember watching you as well and did you play in like an amlin quarter final yeah you're, quarter, you're yeah. getting, you're getting yeah. good looks but then why did you head off to the championship after a year so it it was basically from that Amlin quarterfinal. So we played against Harlequins um, and they were being coached by Conor O'Shea at the time. Um, and that was a, funnily enough, that was actually my first ever game at fullback in any kind of rugby. Like, yeah. and I'd never like, it's not like I'd played a bit of training, like literally I had never played there ever. Yeah. Uh, and next one I'm getting chucked out in a quarterfinal Amlin in like a, pretty rotated team going up against Quinns of full strength because they were targeting it like it was literally their full strength team yeah. so there, there's me playing my first ever game of 15 up against Mike Brown just being no like clue. class can't wait for this <laughs> yeah um but uh but no I really enjoyed it and I think potentially the fact that I was playing there for the first time kind of took a lot of the pressure off I was just like look I've never played here before like so I could go completely wrong but let's just give it a go so um so yeah i played 15 and played pretty well um we did pretty well for about 60 minutes and then they pulled away a little bit at the end but um but yeah it was basically from that game um conor o'shea kind of came up to me afterwards because he obviously knew i was irish and just we had a little bit of a chat on the pitch after and then i met up with him then a couple of weeks later in dublin um and he was sort of saying like would i consider uh signing and signing for a team in England um, and at the time Quinns and London Scottish had like a kind of partnership thing so Scottish would get a lot of the Quinns uh, young players and like vice versa so 
Um, so he was like, look, would you consider co coming to England? Um, and at the time, I kind of, I had a very sort of negative view on, on second division rugby in France, because that would have been the other option was to probably sign from Massey, who were who had just come up to Pro D2. Mm. Um, so it would have been to sign from Massey for probably two years. Um, and at the time, I was kind of like, oh, French second division rugby, like it's a bit like mm. it's just fights every week. Like, yeah, that's as, what the perception a, is a, when yeah, we were growing yeah. up. As, as a forward, it's probably good to like toughen you up a bit, but as a back, like you're probably not getting up to much going over there. So, uh, so yeah, looking like at the time, I was like, no, nah, I don't really want to go to Pro D2. So, as soon as I heard the opportunity in London, I was like, yeah, pretty keen for that. So, uh, so then, yeah, I met up with um, the coaches of Scottish. Um, and at the time as well, there was a hell of a coaching setup of Scottish. So, they had Mike Friday as director of rugby, Pete Richards as uh, head coach and backs coach, and James Buckland as well. Um, so, that was like a pretty good setup for me. Like, so I spoke to them and sound, sounded pretty good. So, um, so I signed a one, yeah, I signed a one year deal there. Um, and the idea of it was was to go over there, do well in the championship, and then hopefully Quinn's to come in then after the year and and take me from there. But um, I think was it that year, Connor Shea? Did he move on that year? Or was it the year after? I can't remember. But, yeah, something I can't remember. But uh, but yeah, I I basically at the end of that season, then uh, there Quinn's had sort of said, "No, nah, look, we're not interested." So that was a bit of a disappointment. Um, especially as I sort of thought I'd had quite a good year, sort of as my first year sort of mm -hmm. in proper pro rugby where I was like fully like professional and like playing pretty regular. Well, absolutely very regular. I think I played every game that season. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was a bit disappointing with that. And then had a couple of sniffs from a couple of other teams and just nothing ever really came to it. So then ended up signing for another year. Um and then again, same same kind of story, just constant sniffs, but no, never never anything yeah. uh, definite. Um, so yeah, that was sort of that was that. Um, yeah. yeah, and so you just it was the championship like a lot of like one year deals because it's guys, yeah. a lot of guys who are looking to move on from move there. On. Yeah, yeah. So usually, yeah, the the longest you get a lad would be two years, and they'd kind of be a little bit older. So yeah, most of the young yeah. lads would be would be taking one years just to give themselves options to move on. So yeah, m mainly one year deals. So. Yeah, and back then, I know things changed in the last like two years with the RFU, and they kind of like did they cut a bit of the funding. But yeah. back then, when you were playing, like from what I gather, like was there good money in the championship, like? There was, yeah, yeah. So when I first uh, when I first joined Scottish, like we had an unbelievable team. Like we we made the playoffs and pushed Worcester pretty far, who then got promoted to the Premiership. Um, so yeah, like we, yeah, there was quite a lot of money in it. So we, the owner, like the main money man at Scottish was uh, he did he own Tesco at the time, I think, or he was the owner of Tesco. So yeah, like there was there was a lot of money in the club, and like we had lads like you know Neil Best who played our yeah. Yeah, so Bestie was there. Like we had some, we had some pretty decent guys. Um, so yeah, like for the first, for the, the my three years I was a Scottish, they were very healthy financially, um, and so was the league. To be fair, like most, mm. it was it was fully professional for my first three to four years. I think there was yeah. no part time teams at all, um, and then. The year I joined Ealing was when it first started. I think that's when Richmond came up and they were part time. Um, yeah. And then it just gradually kind of slipped. And then obviously the RFU cut the funding and that killed a lot of teams. So, and then you like, you look at it, you look at the way the champ is today and it's a completely different league. Like it's yeah. like most of the teams are part-time. Like you have Ealing, Jersey, Doncaster and Pirates who are probably the only four like fully functioning professional teams. And then the rest are all part-time. So um, it is a shame because like, like you look at English rugby, like it should have a fully functioning second division. Like it yeah. really should. Like there's some there's some big clubs there, and there's some big fan bases. Like you look at a team like Bedford, like they got a massive following. Like they get like four or five thousand of games. Do they? Um, yeah, and they're fully part time. Like it's it's wow. mad. Like yeah. So I don't know. It's 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 a whole. You need a you need a whole different podcast to get into yeah. into the R, into the RFU. But um, 
but now like from my point of view my time in the championship luckily the three years I was at Scottish it was it was run well and then when I went to Ealing obviously I was lucky to be at well yeah the, the most sort of the top team in the league with the exception of the team that came down from the premiership each year yeah. but um so yeah I was quite lucky but yeah like there's some stories of some lads who just get like very Shafted. badly treated at clubs or just yeah just not looked after right so yeah yeah, yeah it is it's it is like nearly sad because you want rugby to grow and you look at France like Pro D2 Federal 1 even Federal like yeah. Fed, Fed 2 even like yeah, Fed, yeah, one, yeah. Fed 1 would have a lot of like pro teams wouldn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. and then like I was listening to Eddie Jones speak recently and he was saying how rugby has not grown as much as we'd like to think it has over the last like 15 years or whatever and mm. you look at soccer obviously but you want like England should have a second division like yeah. a, a solid second yeah. division and you need these like more opportunities to play professional rugby put it that way yeah well, i think one thing that england needs to do with their rugby is they need to change so like you should they need to have the premiership on at certain times and the championship on at different times so there's never a clash because yeah. that's for me that's one of the biggest problems they have is that like you'll have so say when I was at London Scottish, which is just down the road from Harlequins, like there'd be days where like we'd be pl playing at the exact same time, and Madness. like a lot of a lot of fans Madness. want to go and watch both teams, like because they yeah. live in the area and they and they like watching rugby. So yeah. all all you have to do is move one to a Friday night and one to a Saturday, or one to a Saturday, one to a Sunday, like. Yeah. Whereas they just don't seem to want to do it. Whereas in France, like there's a complete like it's completely separate. So like Pro D2 is played, there's two prime games on a Thursday. The rest are all on Friday. You might have one on a Sunday and then top 14 is literally exclusively Saturday, Saturday night. And then there's maybe like one or two games on a Sunday. So there's never yeah. a clash. So it's like from Thursday to Sunday, you have constant sports. So like if you're a rugby fan, you can watch a game Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. So it's just like you have everything you want. Like, um, whereas in England, they just seem to want to do everything Saturday, three o'clock. And it's like, yeah it yeah. doesn't really work like so yeah that's the way to do it in france because american football in the states is the same so it's thursday night nfl game friday night high school football saturday college football sunday nfl monday yeah. night nfl so you can mm. watch american football and people do like high school yeah. is huge college is huge yeah, yeah massive yeah. and um yeah. yeah that's a rugby need that's interesting that france do it mm. and i think ireland is similar like AIL like AIL yeah, is yeah. so good even looking back now that I've been gone a few years but like the quality of rugby is so good and mm. like they're just kind of like yeah cannibalizing themselves by having it yeah. at same like same time as a Leinster game you know yeah. they need, yeah. need to market it a bit better and yeah 100% 100% I think with the AIL as well they need to get like these fringe players playing in it yeah because like yeah. They're, they're getting nothing yeah you can train in an environment for the week but like you it's need to play shite. a game like, like get them out to the clubs like yeah it's, it's ridiculous. It's, cra it's crazy. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? Like, oh, it's mad. crazy. Mad. Like, um, yeah. and, and you hear all these this chat now about people, like, and they talk about their minutes, and like certain mm. players have played like 50 minutes of rugby. Oh, it's mental. It's mental. It's yeah. mad. Yeah, I think yeah. the provinces, yeah, the provinces need to do a bit um like the IRFU, I think, need to do a bit more work and like tell the provinces these guys from like numbers 28 to 40 in the squad. They got to play. They got to move yeah. down. Then you can market a bit better and get people paying a tenner in the gate and grow a bit more. But anyway, mm. yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so then, when you went to Ealing, you were there for three years. Three and years, yeah. did you sign? Was it like one years again? No. So Ealing was Ealing. I signed two two years. So yeah. signed a two year two year at Scottish, and then at the end of that two years, then signed another two, and only did one of them. So yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that was that was a big. That was quite a nice, like, it kind of felt like a, a bridge step. So it was kind of like when I was at Scottish, I was like, obviously, I want to try and get a Premiership gig or get something back home. Um, and then when Ealing came in, it was kind of like that middle ground where they were kind mm -hmm. of like the top Championship club outside the Premiership. Yeah. Um. So it was quite because obviously, like, as I said, like my first year at Scottish was a really successful year, but then the next two kind of we faded off quite a lot um so it was nice to kind of to kind of get playing with like the the top championship side um and it was just a shame that we never we got close a couple of times to beating the, yeah. the prem team that came down and like we won the bni cup and the championship cup but just never never could get that win against the premiership side so um but no in terms of like 
in terms of the facilities and like the coaching and the way the club was run, it was very much like a top level, top level rugby club. Um, and like they literally have just gone on from strength to strength since I've left, which is, which is good to see. But, um, but no, it was it was good. It was it was a good move at the time. Like it was it was good, and I enjoyed it up until probably the, the third year, and then just kind of fell out of fell out of love a little bit. Um, and then yeah, just kind of felt like I needed to get a break and get back to France. So. Yeah. So what did you kind of fall out? Like you say, fall out of love, fell out of favor a bit with the, like just weren't yeah. getting picked as much. Yeah, just yeah, with the with the head coach, just wasn't. Uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't really see eye to eye on sort of what he wanted me to do and what I wanted and stuff like that. So which happens. So. <clears throat> um, and then yeah, actually I went on loan. Um, just in the start of the new year which would have been 20 yeah start of 2020 um I went on loan to Bedford for three games um just because I literally hadn't played all year like I think I played I played maybe 10 minutes of a cup game and that was it and then got, I ended up getting simbid in that game as well she came on and was like right this is my chance to, yeah. to do something and about two minutes later I've got simbid for a high tackle uh so so yeah apart from that like I literally hadn't played all year um so then it got to christmas time and was just like right uh like uh, the coach came up to me and was just like look we need to send you out on loan to get some minutes so went to bedford played three games for bedford and then ended up getting called back because we had a like injury crisis so came back in and then first game back got man the match which was kind of like a bit of a middle finger oh, yeah. to the coach yeah it was like a middle finger to the coach yeah like, I'm, ba- I'm back <laughs> so and then to be honest coronavirus came in at the worst time because like I played like maybe two more games after that and played pretty well in them. Um, and was starting to enjoy it again and was sort of back in favor. And then coronavirus hit and then everything just stopped. And it was just kind of like, and then kind of when I went home, then it was then that I kind of like looked at the bigger picture and was like, look, I'm not really enjoying it at the club. So, yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It's so funny when you said there about a, uh getting uh coming on for 10 minutes and getting a yellow card it's like i had, I had the exact same experience once i was playing with lanza and played like every game this season with like two three games to go tyke burn came back from leinster and then was, was picked ahead of me i got on for 10 minutes three minutes in shoulder charge or sorry forearm to the face yellow card and it's like you're just trying it's like what can i do like you're trying to do everything yeah. and it's like the worst thing is when you're trying to do stuff you never yeah. do well. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Because I, I went to try and put a massive shot in the lap. Yeah. I normally, like any, any other day, I would just go low and tackle yeah. him. I was like, no, nah, I need to make a name for myself. Yeah. Here. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Oh, so funny. Yeah. And um, so then I saw on your on your LinkedIn that you were working and recruiting a bit towards the end with Ealing. Was that? Yeah. How, that what was, was that? That was just. Uh, so do you know Craig Trenier, actually? I know, but I know someone it was Paul Mullen or someone mentioned him to me or yeah. like friend of a friend will say yeah so basically yeah so Craig Trenier runs runs the company um so basically yeah my, he signed for Ealing my third year and obviously that was when I wasn't really playing that much um and I just I was good friends with him and he was just like oh if you want to come in and do a bit of work experience just to like see whether you like it or not so so yeah I went in for probably I'd say it was only like a day a week for maybe a month or so yeah um but yeah it just kind of gave me a taste of like that sort of life after rugby and uh and yeah it was it was it was quite enjoyable but wouldn't be something that i'd want to do um but it was obviously just good just to get some kind of something going on outside of rugby so um, yeah so yeah that was that was what that was about do you have any idea what you would like to do i know it's a good few years um, away yet but yeah touch wood <laughs> yeah yeah um got a few well maybe one or two things i would quite like to open up a coffee shop i've got quite into coffee just from lockdown uh sort of self-taught myself a few tricks on the old espresso machines so yeah, yeah. um so yeah i wouldn't mind potentially opening up a coffee shop um and then as well i've just started doing a mental health course um through the open university um Good. so started that in september so i'm like bit into that um don't know where that'll lead me i'm more just doing it just out of sort of curiosity and i find it quite interesting yeah. rather than rather than wanting to go into that kind of field so um but i don't know i'll kind of see where it takes me and and go from there but um 
but yeah, there's nothing with the exception of setting up a coffee coffee business. There's nothing majorly jumping out at me. So yeah, yeah. I'll just try and try and keep keep uh, keep rumbling on the rugby pitch as yeah. long as I can. Keep playing to your forties. Yeah, keep putting it off. Yeah. yeah. What um what kind of stuff are you doing in the course? That sounds interesting. Yeah, so it's um at the moment it's kind of general mental health. So at the moment I'm doing stuff on like ADHD and addictions, um, and like autism, stuff like that. Um, but once I do, so basically I've taken my credits from UCD. So I'm doing it in the open university, which is based in the UK. So it's all fully online. Um, so basically I took my credits from my course in UCD and basically you can put them into this, like, uh, kind of like a generator thing, which then Mm. shows you where like you could potentially go with, with the credits you have, what courses are kind of suited to it. Mm. Um, and then you can kind of take credits off the total credit amount that you need so okay. i basically i basically come in like at the end of second year so i have to do a 30 credit module which i'm doing now to finish second year and then i go into third year where i can like specialize a bit more so i want to kind of look at it more from like a sports performance yeah. uh, side of view um but at the moment it's very much like general mental health and kind of quite like biology focused on like the brain brain structure and stuff so it's quite it's quite in depth at the moment but then okay. it should get a little bit more specific and a bit more interesting than in my final year um, yeah, yeah so yeah like i mean so far i found it quite good because i was a little bit worried going back to going back to kind of education haven't been out for so long uh just like how i manage yeah. my time and actually get around to doing it and not just sitting in coffee shops playing cards with the boys yeah. <laughs> and waste, wasting time as you, as you do um but no, i've actually found it all right and i've i've done two as two assignments so far and done pretty well in them so um so yeah it's been all right and i know the main thing is i'm enjoying it like i'm finding the content quite interesting so um so yeah no, it's been good it's been good good that's so important to enjoy what you're doing like so many people go into college courses it's like what are you doing like oh just doing this and it's like you know yeah yeah. and uh so what kind of stuff do you get up to outside of playing you're studying playing cards with the boys (laughs) uh the main stuff is yeah studying and uh obviously as i said with my coffee coffee kind of business idea i'm kind of trying to sort of speak to as many people as I can sort of in that industry so uh there's quite a good specialty coffee shop in Rouen so I'm quite good friends with the guy who runs that um so I sort of go in there and kind of sort of practice on his machine and just see how the sort of running of the running of the business goes um which is quite interesting to see um obviously it's from a French point of view as well like with their business rules and stuff like that and rent and all that which is slightly different but um but now it's kind of very much that and then just sort of ruin sort of ruin as well as quite a quite a historic city like there's quite like a lot of nice old buildings and stuff so quite like just while strolling around town and just checking the place out there's a lot of kind of hidden gems so um so yeah that's kind of what i'm getting up to at the moment um i've managed to uh managed to wean myself off the playstation days i used to just sit sit in front of the playstation all day but those days are kind of over now so yeah yeah, me too. I'm the exact same, thankfully. Yeah, a couple uh, of years ago, just what did you play? Oh, like Call of Duty, FIFA. Same, 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 same old, same old. Uh, yeah. Um, and then you, you just hit a point, and you're like, come on, I need to start yeah. doing some actual constructive stuff <laughs> yeah. in my life. Uh, yeah, I was the exact same. It's like, it was up until like two, two, three years ago. Yeah, it's like just playing yeah. a lot of Call of Duty. What is it? Uh, Warzone and then Warzone, yeah, uh, FIFA. Uh, and it's like, yeah. it's a point, it's like, Brian, all right, it's like, get you know 25 26 27 so gotta start uh yeah not playing yeah. two three hours of playstation every day exactly yeah yeah, yeah. and um how is pro d2 so like remember we were saying there like when we were growing up say teenage whatever when you think of pro d2 it's literally like just a bit of rugby lots of scrapping and one to ten man rugby yeah what uh what's your experience of it been like um i'll tell you one thing i found it very very physical like mm. like way way more physical in the championship and then like i'd say yeah it's just like there's a lot of big boys just like carrying hard um mm. it's funnily enough like when you think of like french rugby you kind of think like oh jue jue like lads just doing what they want but to be honest i found it quite like it it's weird almost like sometimes it'll light up and somebody will do something outrageous and then it just 
all uh, like there's it just kicks off a chain of events and just like there's just madness on a pitch like there's just lads yeah. doing what they want throwing mad offloads like pulling off unbelievable stuff but then it'll just like suddenly just switch back and it'll just be kind of boring and kind of a bit of a kind of a bore fest um mm. so yeah it's kind of it's funny it's kind of it keeps you on your toes <laughs> put it that way because like i feel the french aren't the french don't like structure so they don't like being told right we're gonna have a line out here we're gonna go two phases same way then we're gonna come back then we're gonna like they don't like They're that like, so no. they, they they just want to go right look let's just play and we'll yeah. see where we end up so like for me like defending as a fullback like when i was sort of playing in england you'd kind of you'd sort of read the way kind of teams are going to play. So you kind of know roughly where they're going to be. Whereas like in, in France, you just kind of like, you just got to expect anything. You can expect a tight head prop to be calling for the ball on the blind side and getting it and throwing a miss pass to the winger. Like it's just crazy stuff happens. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just, I think the, the best, the best way I can describe it is it's just mad. It's a yeah. mad league. Like you just you see some cr- such crazy things. Like I don't know if you saw the the video of the winger for Never last year lifting up the referee at the end of a game. Um, oh, yeah. you might have seen it. It went viral. It was like they they'd won like right at the death. Like oh yeah yeah yeah, I did I did I did. And the, yeah. <laughs> the ref yeah, has yeah, blown yeah, yeah. up and he's just come up behind yeah. and <laughs> lifted him up like that. Yeah. And the ref's just like what? What are you doing? Yeah yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is like that sort of stuff just happens and it's just it's those kind of moments where you're just like what is going on in this league like yeah um, but no it's been it's been very enjoyable like it's a the thing that I really like about it is the fact that it's a very like obviously I played six years in second division in England and you might as well be invisible like it doesn't really exist didn't really get any attention like crowds are very low with the exception of one or two teams and there's not really any kind of interest in it Mm. um and you kind of feel like when you're playing sometimes in the championship you're kind of like why am i actually playing like what's what's the point because if you're not if you're not pushing for promotion and like Mm. you're not in a relegation battle and you're just kind of playing a game and it's like it's professional rugby but it's like you're playing in front of maybe a thousand people and it's like do these people actually really care like they're not it's not it's not that real kind of like you're playing in front of fans who care about how the team does. And if the team loses, they're genuinely in a bad mood for like the week until yeah. they get to their next home game. Whereas like in France, like if we lose a home game, like you could walk into town and you might be doing your shopping and somebody will come up and be like, Oh, like that game of the weekend wasn't good enough. Like we have to win next week. And you're yeah. like, it kind of gives it more meaning and you're kind mm. of like, right. Like, and it makes you kind of appreciate more that like when you go out there to play that like, it's more than just, like you and the team it's like very much the the whole town is like with you um so yeah i think that's that's one thing i really like is that like everywhere you play um you're playing in front of a lot like a lot of people and a lot of people that care like there's some pretty like hostile places that we play like where it's almost like a football atmosphere which is cool yeah um so yeah i think that's that's been one of the biggest things and was probably one of the main reasons why i wanted to go back to france um was just that kind of feeling that like rugby matters more to the people um and yeah i think that for me was kind of something that i quite like is just sort of tapping into like the supporters um so yeah i think that's that's definitely probably one of the main things is uh the kind of atmospheres and stuff yeah that's cool that you're like playing for the town like yeah there's people behind you i know what you mean but like um say when you're in england or whatever it's like what do you do and like those games that don't matter mean anything it's Mm. like meh but um yeah, having that whole like town behind you is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and like some of the like some of the atmospheres we've had, like because we've moved stadium now as well. We've moved into the football stadium, which is which is class. It's like a I think it's a fifteen thousand seater, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, and what they're doing, like, because Rouen has two quite big universities, um, and they're basically getting like different like groups. So like they might get the business school or the law school. And they basically invite all them down um, and they have like, I'm not sure what, what is it they call it, but basically call it like kind of like a competition to see who can make the most noise at games. Oh, so yeah. Like they have like this like monitor things like check like the decibel level 
and then it's like a competition to see who can make the most noise each week so like you have different Ooh. like schools coming down to like and like some of them have been absolutely mental like you wonder how they keep going like the whole game they're literally jumping up and down for the entire game it's just like it's absolute madness like like some of the times like you'd be taking a kick a goal and like they won't realize that there's a kick a goal going so you're, yeah. you're there kicking you're like that's gonna shut up your team second. it's like, like yeah, no, this is, you're yeah. not meant to do it for me yeah exactly yeah yeah but uh but no nah, it's good it brings a good atmosphere and, and it's good fun so yeah no it's good. it's good that's class what's the biggest um biggest kind of stadium i know perfectly on were there last year but what, what's the biggest yeah. one in Brody 2 you've had in um, your time there so i think i'd say now probably bayon bayon or their yeah. ground is pretty big um who else and they'd be like fill like getting big. Yeah, they fill. Yeah, they fill out. Yeah, yeah. I think they had like they had about sixteen thousand for the first game. Wow, probably two. Yeah. Man, um, if you think about the Irish provinces, like Connacht, mm. Max seven and a half, Munster, yeah. Munster never get anything like sixteen thousand. Yeah. But Ulster is their capacity now close to that, and then Leinster don't get mm. that much for URC. Yeah. Like it's mad, like the level, like just yeah. how yeah. big that is. Yeah, well, especially like it's just there's some areas in France where like rugby is literally the be all and end all. Like it's it's the number one sport, um, and like down like Biarritz, Bayon way, like it's literally rugby, rugby, rugby. So yeah, um, because like even last year, like we played Biarritz last game of the season, and it was like that was just still behind closed doors, like there's no fans allowed in, mm. um, but like we were driving to the game and like coming up to the ground, like there were people everywhere like with like flares and everything wow. it was like this is literally they'd already qualified for the playoffs so like it was a, it was a dead rubber like we were we weren't going to get relegated they were already in the playoffs so like the game didn't have any meaning but like all their supporters were like lining the streets like with wow. like flares and everything and like beeping horns and everything like it was mental absolutely mental so That's yeah they fast. just love it they just love it down there yeah do you see yourself in france for the next while like are you comfortable there yeah, I'd say so. Um, I've signed. I've signed for three more years at Rouen. So, oh, wow. um, so yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think I'll probably uh, finish up out here. I would imagine, um, unless something major came up from Ireland or England, but probably very unlikely at this stage. But um, you never know. But uh, yeah. but yeah, no. I, I'm pretty happy playing in France. I enjoy it. It's. It's a nice culture. People are people are good fun and and yeah, like from a rugby point of view, like I just like how how much rugby is kind of valued over here. Like it's very, it's like one of the main sports, and it's just like yeah, there's a lot to it. So um, yeah, so yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely enjoying it over here. So yeah, good stuff. That must be nice getting a three year deal, like and being able to get comfortable, yeah. like even like even like moving houses or like you yeah, know, yeah, like you can yeah. just chill and yeah, no, it's nice yeah like it is nice just having that security um just because obviously like when you're signing one and two year deals like it's just like oh don't know where i'm gonna be this time next year so um so yeah it's nice just to have the security and then you can kind of just plan a bit more and like yeah you know you're gonna be in one place longer than longer than 24 months which is which is nice so yeah 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 you playing this weekend uh they haven't actually named the team but yeah i would imagine yeah i imagine i will be uh it's uh no relegation scrap against um, a team that are like seven seven points below us. So if we can get the win, it'll kind of give us a bit of a Keep gap. Up there. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a pretty pretty big ones. So Is there anything with your in your contract that if you yeah yeah if you get if you drop yeah, down so, the money drops? Well, no, no, no. So if if you get relegated, all contracts are gone. Or, are gone. Yeah, because ooh. it's a different. It's weird. It's like the LNR, which is the League Nationale Rugby they deal with all the contracts in top 14 and Pro D2. And then once you drop down to national, so they have national now instead of federal one. So national mm. is like 10, 10 teams fully pro, but it's, it's organized by a different organization. I'm actually not sure what they're called. Okay. But they, they do the contracts for them. So if you get relegated, you can just leave your contract. So, okay. Hey, bud, been unreal uh, catching up. Thanks Mel, for your yeah, it's time. Been good fun. Good fun. Hope you enjoyed the chat if you did would you please send it on to some friends who you think also might like it or into your whatsapp group and if you want to be an absolute legend you can take a screen grab of the episode shared on twitter or on your instagram story we'll be really grateful for that
I really enjoyed playing with Leiden when I was younger, as you can probably tell from the chat, and it's class to see him forging out his career in pro rugby. I also enjoyed hearing about the experiences outside of the top level. Of course, he has played top 14 for Stad, which was a mad story hearing that. I had known, like we were friends obviously when it, when it happened, and I had known about it, but I had never really heard the story like that. And I just think it's important for young players to understand and see that there are avenues outside of the Prem and top academies and top level leagues into pro rugby. And I've always thought, like, how cool must it be to play in Pro D2 or even the tier below that, which is now called National, used to be Federal 1. Like, you know, most of the clubs are in the south of France. How good would that be to live there? As we chatted about, myself and Leiden played together on the Lansdowne under-20s team the year after we left secondary school or high school, but I'd kind of forgotten about it, but when I googled them, I saw that we played together on the Leinster Schoolboys under-18 team. I'd forgotten about that, and then we both played against each other for provincial 19s and 20s, so when I left school I moved back to Connacht. And I've been lucky to play with some exceptional out-halves and place-kickers, like I've been blown away by how good some of them were and I knew that at the time as well like I'd be playing with some guys watching them kick and I was like whoa that's that's good because they'd be making place kicks that you would see players on TV miss like I was in school with Ty Leader who played in the MLR I played with Jack Carty for Connacht teams Craig Ronaldson with Lansdowne who went to play with Connacht Scott DC, the Munster and Lansdowne legend, and I've probably missed some. I was in a camp with a few training camps with Paddy Jackson, but I think Leiden was the best kicker I've ever played with. So, quick story. Once we were playing for Lansdowne 20s away to St. Mary's, and the ref blew to give us a penalty, and he said, That's half time. So, I remember being like, Cool, kick it out and we'll head in. The pen was inside our own half and like two or three meters from the touchline right beside the stand so next to the dressing room so I was like you would just kick it out and walk in but then Leiden walks over and is like oh sure I'll have a go like may as well and I was kind of looking at him thinking what's the point like we've just had a tough half just kick the ball out we can just go in and regroup and that's what I was thinking but I was looking at him and it was absolutely mad how far away this kick was. Like, I couldn't. I was like, "What are you doing?" Even trying, nearly thinking. And I was like, "But yeah, all right, go on." So he just stepped up, confident, and slotted it. And <laughs> I have never seen anything like it. It was literally yeah, like in a couple of meters, two, three meters inside our own half on the touchline. And I was just like, "Wow!" So I suppose the moral of the story is there are things that you can do on your own and become world class at them that coaches will have to note they will notice for like everyone will notice and teams will have to pick you like if you're a hooker you can be a brilliant thrower if you're a nine you can be a brilliant passer off the base or a box kicking anyone can do it with place kicking a back three with catching high balls if you have a bag of balls you can practice your passing and if you have a friend or a sibling even better for all of these but there's just so I'm saying some things you need a kind of team environment like small sided games to get better at but other things there's a lot a lot of things that you can do on your own and not saying that Leiden is like only a kicker nobody's only one thing but you watch him play watch him kick it's like whoa if you're an ambitious player and are serious about improving and getting to your next level I have a Patreon where I'll help you reach your goals and become the player that you know you can be You'll get extra podcasts which will help you become far more confident, have more self-belief in yourself and your abilities. And I chat about and help you with all things leadership, mental skills and how to bounce back from tough situations and adversity because they're going to come. The link to the Patreon is here in the show notes and also in my Twitter and Instagram bios which are at offfieldrugby. Please give me a follow there too. I share content based around the things I mentioned. If you enjoy the podcast but don't want any extra content, extra podcasts, like I just chatted about, but would like to show your support, 
there is a supporters tier on Patreon that you can join through the same links. A lot of podcasts you listen to now are run by big companies with teams behind them to do the scheduling, the research, the editing, and all the extra work that goes into making a podcast, like outside of just having a chat, all that extra work. But I'm just me, a guy with a laptop, a microphone, and a Zoom account trying to chat with interesting people to help you learn new things, help you become better versions of yourself, and maybe bring a smile to your face throughout your day. So I would really, really greatly appreciate any support. And the supporters tier is very, very cheap. You can click into the link and see it. If you've been listening to the pod, you'll know that literally all top players have a mental skills coach or a sports psychology coach, whatever name you put on it. In the Patreon, there's a mentorship tier, which is for people who want to work one-on-one with me to achieve their goals and get them where they want to go. Lastly, if you're a coach and you would like to help your players become more confident, have more self-belief, work on the culture within the team or develop the leadership, please send me a DM on Instagram or my email, which is in the show notes. And the younger, the better when it comes to this. It's so powerful to help young players with the mental side of the game. You ask any player and they will all say, I wish I knew this when I was younger. I wish I knew this when I was younger. So yeah, if you're a coach, send me a DM. would love to chat. A shout out to Lewis O'Sullivan, who has signed up to the First 15 Patreon. He will have access to all the bonus content, the bonus episodes. Last week, I put out a snippet of a Patreon podcast where I talked about how you go about achieving your goals this year and explained why goal setting on its own is really, really limited. Check that out. And then in next week's Patreon pod, I will be talking about what you can do to protect your mental health in today's world, which in turn will then have a big impact on helping you get to where you want to go and helping you be your best self. Any feedback, thoughts, questions, you can send me a DM on Instagram at Rugby. My Twitter and TikTok is the same handle and my LinkedIn is my name, Brian Moylet. Lastly, if you want to be an absolute legend, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, letting me know what you liked about the episode. I can see them coming in. Thank you very, very much to those people who do. And if you want, you can also take a screen grab of your phone, of the episode, and share it on your Instagram story or on Twitter. Thanks, Emil, for clicking in today. Greatly appreciate it. Have a good one. Cheers.